the first day that, um, the, the, the night that my dad died, when all of the friends come together at the surviving spouse's uh, the house, um, his best friend, not a, more than five feet away from me, said, there's no way a 27-year-old girl can run this company. Hmm. That's it. Sell your stock. The company is over. And that moment really changed everything for me because it fueled me. It made me want to fight. You know, my fight or flight instinct kicked in and I said, failure is not an option. This is C2C, where we cover innovation in the food and CPG business from conception to consumption. Welcome to the show, everyone. Today, we're excited to have as our guest, Julie Smolyansky, who is CEO of Lifeway Foods and has very interesting background and will have a lot of insights into the food and CBG space. Julie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So you have a really interesting background. Our listeners are going to want to hear about this. So almost 20 years ago, you became the youngest female CEO of a publicly traded company when you took over the leadership of Lifeway Foods. So tell our tell our listeners all about your personal and family background and how you got into the food and beverage business. Wow, that is such a big question. That is, There's so much to answer there and, and share. Um, well, yes, uh, I'll just give you a little context. My parents and I were refugees from the former Soviet Union. Um, I was one years old when we came to the United States. Mm. Uh, we were the first of 48 families that were allowed to settle uh, through a small slit in the Iron Curtain, and my parents settled in Chicago. Um, we came with $116 in our pocket. My mother wow. learned English. Yeah, yeah. My mother learned English watching General Hospital. Um, <laughs> you know, sort of a story of, of, of the immigrant uh, life experience. Um, that you know, that's such a strong hard work, hard work ethic, and over coming you know these really um obstacles to um you know live a better life here in, in the united states and um my parents recognized early on that while there was a lot of food in the united states it was totally different than their slavic eastern european food and so my mother uh, opened up the first Russian deli in Chicago, and that sort of started our entry into the food business. I grew up and took all of my spring breaks and um, many of my you know days after school um, when I was done, I was in my mom's store helping her put like price tag stickers on on products and unpacking boxes. And um, you know I went to my first trade show when I was like I don't know a, a young kid, um, and really grew up on the trade show floor and behind. Uh, a counter a retail counter and in, in the grocery industry space and um so so that sort of started their 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 life our life here in the united states and uh about 10 years into this my they were in germany at a trade show at the seattle trade show and uh, i think it was the seattle trade show and my dad bought three bottles of kefir in the grocery store there uh because in in europe kefir or kefir as we like to call it too um, is is a staple, and it's a two thousand year old product that existed in the Caucasus Mountains, where my ancestors are from. And this ancient fermentation process was passed on generation to generation, and was a very tightly held secret um, by these these people who lived in the Caucasus Mountains. And um, you know they attributed their health to and the longevity to their consumption of kefir. And, and there's great folklore which we can get into you know down the line, but. Um, my father recognized that America had everything, he said, but it did not have kefir. And he hmm. really craved and, and remembered this, this feeling of nostalgia. His youth kind of came back to him when he took his first sips of this kefir outside of this German food store. And he said to my mom, you know, Amer and he, sa he said, America has everything, but it doesn't have kefir. And my mom said, well, you're an engineer. He was a mechanical engineer. You're an engineer. Why don't you design the plant and make the product and I'll sell it through my distribution? At this time, my mom already had a, a handful of stores and she st became an importer and distributor of Eastern European foods. So she was doing deals like all over the country with other delis and importing Eastern European food. I mean, it was just remarkable. And um, so anyway, six months later, they incorporated the business and they launched Lifeway in 1986. 
uh, out of the basement of our sub uh, north suburban home out of Chicago. And that was the beginning. And uh, he took the company public in 1988. And if you just remember politically what was happening, Reagan and Gorbachev were meeting uh, negotiating the peace process. And Reagan, the White House actually called my father and said, we heard about this man living the American dream from the former, from, from the Soviet Union. At the time, it was still Soviet Union. And we wanted to, um, we wanted to, uh, you know, bring a case of, of your kefir to Gorbachev and show him what the immigrants, what his people are doing in our country and, and help bring down the wall. And so we even got a letter from Reagan saying, thank you for, for your product. And, hmm. you know, I brought it to, uh, to Gorbachev and he really loved it. And, you know, thank you for being part of the peace process is what we always <laughs> remember that we had a small role to play. And, you know, my, so my dad did the, these, this remarkable thing and launched this unknown product in the United States that didn't exist. Yogurt was still a brand new category. It was just a couple of SKUs on the shelf. It was nothing. Uh, nobody knew what it was. Nobody could pronounce it. I think we still can't pronounce it, <laughs> but we know so much about it and we know how good it is now. And the science is backing up what my ancestors knew 2000 years ago, you know, and the importance of gut health. We're just starting to learn about it and we can get into that also down the line. But then I, um, you know, I was a kid watching all of this happen, being a part of it. I went to, you know, my, my first demo, I was 11 years old, standing out and, you know, slinging kefir and sharing the benefits with anybody who would listen. And um, unfortunate, and I, I had actually thought I was going to be a psychologist. I already started grad school. I was working in um, a variety of, of trauma and, and uh, crisis management in, in mental health space. And... Um, ultimately uh, found a space, recognized that what my dad was doing by talking about gut health was actually a way that I can fulfill my personal mission of a desire to reduce suffering of people and, and help change the world. And I recognize that I can do it through a business model and a for-profit way and with scale. You know, I really wanted to have scale and, and feel that impact. And so I left grad school, came to work with my dad, and I worked with him for five years side by side until he had a sudden heart attack at the age of 55 and I mm. became a CEO at 27. And that was very hard. You, you asked, um, you know, how did that sort of work out? You know, the first day that um, the, the, the night that my dad died, when all of the friends come together at the surviving spouse's uh, house, um, his best friend, not a, more than five feet away from me, said, there's no way a 27 year old girl can run this company. Hmm. That's it. Sell your stock. The company is over. And that moment really changed everything for me because it fueled me. It made me want to fight. You know, my fight or flight instinct kicked in. And I said, failure is not an option. Everything that my parents worked for, everything that we as a family worked for, all the risks they took by, you know, escaping from from um, from the Soviet Union, uh, how, how I watched them, you know, break their backs. My mother unloaded full containers of trucks by herself. Um, you know, this is, you know, th th I would not let it fail. And um, I, you know, put my head down and I used my grief and my mourning as a, as a place to, you know, do my work and, and use that energy to, to fulfill this mission. And I've been doing it for almost 20 years now. <laughs> mm. I haven't stopped. I really haven't stopped. It's been a whirlwind and I, I am tired. I'm exhausted, but I, I will not stop until I don't know when. <laughs> Never, probably. <laughs> it's an amazing story. And, I, and we're, we're sorry to hear that your father passed away at, at, at such an early age. That must have been a real shock to your family as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a shock. You, you know, he's in the prime of his life. Everything is, you know, going beautifully, you know, just starting to see his, the fruits of his labor pay off. By that time, our business was a $12 million business. So it wasn't a mom and pop store, but it's definitely not, you know, what it is today, you know. So he just started to recognize where it was going. And uh, I'm sure he'd be so proud. I'm sure it, it's grown far beyond any of his dreams. And, um, you know, I mean, unfortunately, everyone has to die. We, we, that's the, the unfortunate part of this journey that we're on, that we're all going to be in the same place. And nobody knows 
when that moment is. And so it's just been a big lesson to me, um, you know, my father's life uh, of, of things I want to bring into my life um, because you just never know. You just never know. And mm. in this time and during COVID, we see that, you know, playing out in, in real life. Um, but, you know, these are the cards that, that I was dealt with, that, that I was dealt, that he was dealt. And, you know, we're going to play every card uh, to our advantage no matter what. Mm. You sound like a, a great optimist and a survivor. Um, tell us, tell us how all that background has come forward today and encapsulated itself into Lifeway's mission and strategy as a company. Yeah, well, I mean, I've personally overcome, you know, great challenges, great adversity, um, you know, both personally, professionally, and. Um, you know, there's a sense of resilience. We all have this uh, inner resilience, this, this divinity that, that, is, that no one can take away. And the thing about this culture and life way in general is, is, is this idea that, you know, for 2000 years, kefir has existed and it existed in these Caucasus mountains and was unknown to anybody else in the rest of the world. And it survived war and famine, disease, um, you know, like a botched kidnapping of a princess. Uh, it survived, um, you know, just time. Uh, all these, these the, 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 the history of it is so special. And it survived and thrived. And this culture is about life, right? It's, it's a living, live, and active culture. And it survives and thrives in a certain environment. And, um, you know, the storytelling is how it survived, the word of mouth passing down generation to generation. And it, it, it's a small single cell, but if you think about just humanity in general and the world, I think it's a great metaphor for what we're trying to a accomplish and the, the idea of survival, resilience, uh, you know, grit and fortitude that this culture could make it. And it, and it lasted as a secret in this one region and it only because my parents had that bravery and, and desire to risk everything for something different. It went across the ocean only recently. You know, we left in 1976. So this is such a new thing for the United States. And I, I just feel that that does sort of encapsulate what the message that we're trying to share and that we can all continue to survive and thrive and find that inner inner grit and, and inner fortitude um, to kind of live our best life um, and to take care of our, to take care of ourselves you know I always say we can only take care of our communities if we put our own oxygen mask on we can only take care of our families if we can put our own oxygen mask on and that's really important um, so you know these are just some of the things I think about but I also think about like my the lineage of my ancestors and um you know specifically my great grandparents were murdered in the holocaust mm -hmm. and my grandmother survived the holocaust she ran and escaped and when i think about you know that lineage and what they've um they survived and and overcame that i have an obligation to you know fulfill a certain mission and purpose the kind of um pays tribute to their legacy um, and, and move forward and, and, you know, thrive. And, and it really does go back to this live and active living culture that when you consume it, the bacteria, the live friendly bacteria, it, it restores all of the, um, it, it supports your immune system. It supports your gut and, uh, and digestion. And now we even know that there is mental health benefits that it can help reduce stress, depression, and anxiety. You know, my ancestors said that kefir was a gift from the gods, that when they consumed it, they felt this euphoric sense of well-being. Um, and, and scientists and doctors for the last 100 years have backed up what they intuitively knew in their gut. Um, and so, you know, I think I always say it takes guts, like all of this takes guts. And um, that and we love your guts. <laughs> and that's really <laughs> what we're all about. We're about people being brave, about, you know, living their their purpose 
of finding what that purpose is. And that takes bravery. That takes courage. That takes guts. That takes bravery. And we want to support our communities, our customers in that in that mission and, and help them bring that, that great nutrition and these great bacterial cultures to their gut and to their lives. Mm. Who chose the name Lifeway? Uh, because it sounds like... Uh... You know, in in one word, it uh, it encapsulates a lot of that history and mission. Yeah, it's like a way of life. <laughs> um, my father, actually, he was uh, laying on the couch watching Home Shopping Network one night, and it just kind of dawned on him. He's my key for company is going to be Lifeway, a way hmm. of life. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Excellent. Yeah. Um, well, th- that's a fantastic background story and, and a f- fantastic mission that you have at Lifeway. Um, let's let's turn a bit to some more practical issues in the food space. Um, as you know, dairy is a crowded sector, and we all know that fighting for shelf space is is just an ongoing battle <laughs> for for all the different CPG companies out there. So how do you punch through and get all this message out to consumers and really differentiate uh, LifeWay products? Yeah, well, we have a very strong community. Uh, you know, we we were very early on to social media. So even though um, many people doubted my ability to lead, um, I will because of my youth and gender, um, my uh, peers at the time were all joining social media networks. So like MySpace became a thing in the early days, and then Facebook and Twitter, and my CEO counterparts who were mostly male and mostly. 40 plus years older than Mm. me, were not even aware of this, had no idea what social media was, didn't know what MySpace was, didn't know what Facebook was. Um, We were the fourth company on Twitter. We were one, I think the first on Facebook, but before Facebook even allowed brands on, I would put Lifeway on Facebook and they would take us down and say, brands can't exist on Facebook. And eventually, obviously they figured it out. But I think it was because my peer group, my friends were all doing this, that it was on my radar and it gave us the ability to do what my ancestors did 2000 years ago is share stories, share, you know, word of mouth, passing information on um, but social media gave it a wildfire. Uh, you know, if it took 2000 years for the world to know about kefir because it was only in this mountaintop, well, with social media, that just blew it up, you know, globally. Um, and we can communicate with anybody we want globally. And it was one of the reasons we were able to go and, and cure, find business internationally in Mexico and around the world. Um, but, you know, I, I remember that we that kind of gave us the ability to have like an organic real connection an authentic connection with our community who is hungry for information who's confused about their food system and food supplies and and what to eat what not to eat but we could share the science we could share what the researchers are saying we could share the folklore and stories you know that that's a great thing to share the the history of of food people want to know um and food is a great platform for sharing uh, stories so lifeway was able to kind of bring that together and really use some of these tools at our disposal um, to, to really to help it show, tell that story. And I remember that Vogue magazine once did a write-up on us many years ago, and they said, our early use of social media gave us a cult-like following and an avant-garde status. And I'm mm. so proud of that. You know, it really gave us this upper edge, and it was a free tool that we could use and leverage. Um, so that that helped us. But Today, community now more than ever, and COVID especially, um, you know, pe- people uh, want to feel connected to each other. And even though we're isolated, we're together. Uh, that the social media tools continue to be a really important part of our um, communication, and 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 um, you know, the the fact that we can now have like live events like we've brought in during COVID over 220 uh, self-care sessions, yoga, meditation, cooking classes, um, uh, various workouts, mental health conversations, talks with uh, with doctors. Um, and, and this has also really brought our community together. And, and then we go back and share this with our buyers. You know, we, we go back and tell the story 
uh, to the buyers and the, the product is being pulled and then, you know, from the shelf, customers are buying it and we can go and share that data with the, with, with the various category managers. And it's constantly reinventing yourself, making yourself relevant, you know, to take not only a 2000 year old product, but let's say now in the United States, a 30 year plus brand, you know, it's not a startup. A lot of people think, oh, the startups are the darlings, you know, all this, the the innovation and startup food brands are the darlings. But we've taken an, an old legacy brand and made it relevant and continue to reinvent ourselves. That might be, you know, improving on our packaging, improving on our ingredients, improving on the collaborations that we're doing, you know, being more daring with the kind of uh, messaging we're having. I never would have thought if you would have told my dad, you know, 20 years ago that we would be having a live Instagram conversation with a therapist to talk about how people can, uh, you know, deal with the loneliness they're feeling or boundaries or, or trauma that they're experiencing in their lives and, and relate it to the Kiefer product at Lifeway, he would be like, what, what, how are they connected? But we're doing that. We're having, we're, we're demystifying the conversation around mental health and, you know, making it, normalizing it and destigmatizing the, this, this horrible taboo um, thing that we have around mental health. To me, it's like a very, very important thing, something that we're very excited that um, culture is kind of moving with us in this conversation. But, you know, going back and sharing that with the buyers, you know, sharing the da- sharing the data. I think, you know, one thing is that CPG companies, especially smaller ones, don't have the money to buy all the data about their products and their customers and who's buying it. But if you can bring that and spoon feed it to your buyers, that makes a big difference. So on social media, what are what you know these uh, people as, as you described them, almost cult like followers of uh, of Lifeway. Um, some people would call them net promoters. Um, those people on social media, what are some of the common snippets or things that they have to say about your product? Yeah, well, usually customers find us because they have some kind of health crisis. I would say that a big chunk of our customers um, find us because they've found uh, some research or studies about, uh, you know, the fact that the kefir can help um, with irritable bowel syndrome or Crohn's disease or, you know, help support the immune system. During COVID, we've seen over... I don't know, at least 20 studies that were, were, were done around probiotics and gut health and kefir and uh, the ability to boost your immune system, reduce the symptoms of, of, uh, of COVID. And I think it's incredibly important to restore that microflora. So usually, usually people come to us through a health crisis. You know, we have people who maybe had on, undergone chemo, and the only thing that they could consume and find um, relief in is the consumption of our kefir. So I get mm. a lot of that. Um, we also just have, you know, busy people who uh, don't have time to sit down for a full meal. You know, what, one thing we did during COVID was over 250,000 donations, uh, servings of, of kefir to um, healthcare workers and nurses and doctors who didn't have time to sit and eat. Um, not just doctors and nurses, also food banks and food pantries, but, you know, people who are on the go, who don't have time to sit down for a meal, maybe they're, you know, missed lunch, and at least they can get protein and probiotics and calcium and vitamin D um, and all of that through a, you know, a couple of gulps. So, you know, we have athletes, you know, we have yoga enthusiasts and runners and bikers and people who are, you know, on a fitness journey and they're looking for nutritious, wholesome foods that, that aid in their protein probiotics and, you know, all of that. So, you know, it's moms, it's moms and dads who are looking for healthy foods for their kids and using our ProBugs uh, pouch product um, for a quick snack that, you know, they don't have to sit and spoon feed their baby. They can just give their child a pouch from Lifeway and know that it's nutritious and healthy and it's, we've become part of rituals for kids as they, you know, bedtime snacks and things like that. So it, it's a gamut, but ultimately, whether you want it, you know, just want to bring in something healthy into your diet or you're 
you know, an athlete or you have a medical condition, or we have home cooks. We have uh, budding chefs and, and professional chefs and home chefs who are using kefir in their recipes and, and bringing in new ingredients and new flavor profiles to their, um, their recipes. And I wrote a cookbook that helps, um, helps, uh, people learn the versatility and use in ways that you they can use kefir. You know, we're all looking for new ingredients, so it's a fun way to tell a story. So, you know, these are all really fun, various ways that people come to find Lifeway, but I'm particularly really proud of the health and the, the way that we can help reduce people's suffering in those um, crisis moments, especially. Mm-hmm. And you've, you've touched on uh, helping in several uh, social causes, but uh, it it even goes beyond that, right? Lifeway has been involved with multiple other social causes, and for for our listeners who are food and CBG leaders and they're thinking about getting their companies more involved with social causes, what advice would you give? Well, be authentic to yourself. I would say, you know, mm. um, you know, the message really sticks when it's something you personally care about. That you know, the brand makes sense for the brand, um, and and there are. Listen, there are so many things that we need leadership on, and uh, you can find purpose in anything that you do if you you know really look hard. And, and I, I think for us, the purpose is baked into our DNA. You know, again, the the story of the our, our family surviving Holocaust or, or becoming victims of, of the Holocaust, you know, immigration, being a refugee, um, gender equality. Um, diversity within leadership. These are all things that are natural to our DNA because we're living them every day, you know, supporting wellness, supporting mental health. This is a part of our, the, the, the DNA of the company. And it makes sense. I wouldn't say like we should always stick our nose into every social cause. And there's so many, um, but we really uh, kind of narrow our conversation to the ones that make sense for us. Um, and then the other thing is that, you know, and, and, you know, being a female leader naturally adds a whole new level to this conversation because, you know, I have to deal with, um, with gender issues on a minute by minute basis in the, in the world. Um, so that makes a, a whole lot of sense. And, um, the other thing is that consumers today are looking for brands that have some purpose behind them. They mm-hmm. want to know what their brands stand for. They want to know what leadership stands for. They want to know what the board breakdown looks like. They want to see diversity in thought on boards. Um, they want to see uh, representation of communities that mirror their communities. Um, so that's all really important. And it's not just the right thing to do. It's not just a good thing to do. It's the right thing to do because of the financial impact. We know that companies with diverse uh, diversity at the top, with women leaders, with black leaders, um, they do better. You know, th- these companies with diversity, that with a, a whole range of, of people at the table, these companies are financially stronger. Um, they, they outperform uh, companies that have just uh, a mono mono uh kind of uh, look at, at of their board of their leadership teams um so that's all very important and and, even, and i would say even like blackrock you know they went out i think it was this year or the la- or last year and said if, if you don't have diversity then we're not inver- inv- investing in you if if you don't have if you're not talking about social issues if you're not talking about the environment if you're not talking about something of social issues we are not investing it in, in you anymore so you know brands and i think you know it, it really stemmed especially from the lack of leadership in government, in in the top, at the highest offices, um, not having that leadership and that void really created a need for brands to step up and the leaders to each take a you know a piece of this and and lead where they can. And so I think we all have a role to play in this, and and you could pick up whichever social issues you want. There's so many, um, unfortunately, too many. Um, lots of work to do, but I think it's opportunities and it's a way that we can do better. And, and I also think that the teams like to feel purpose. You know, during COVID, um, you know, it's, it, it, you, it could be said that it's hard to get people to be motivated to do work. But, you know, during COVID, um, 
our team recognized all the purpose that they bring, that they're here to keep food on people's table, to keep supply chain strong, to make sure that we all have a, a stocked refrigerator, that the grocery stores are, are stocked. And even though it was really scary to come in in those early days and get you know people to come in and, and, and do the work, they did, even with fear, they showed complete bravery, complete courage to come in and do the work. And they said, you know, we're really proud that we are feeding the country. And, and if this is how, you know, if you die in that, that they felt a great sense of purpose about that. And of course we did everything we could to keep everyone safe and all of that. But the, the point is, is that when people feel a sense of purpose in their work, then they are happier. They feel, find meaning, they find joy. Um, and they want to work and they do their best jobs uh, when they find that purpose. And I think it's just really important that we all find that purpose and that our teams all feel a sense of, of purpose in their, when they're doing this. You know, another great example, not in food, but Bumble, uh, the dating app. Uh, Whitney Hurd just took her company public. She's the youngest woman to take a company public. And, you know, you think, oh, it's a dating app, but it's so much more because Whitney's purpose was to dismantle old power structures. So it's not just a dating app. It's a cultural movement to dismantle power, uh, power, old power um, uh, forces and, and dynamics and, you know, uh, push for gender equality. So I, I think it's just beautiful. And I think that all of our brands can find purpose and, and what the mission is. Mm. It should be much more than transactional, right? It's not a transaction. It's it's uh, an opportunity to be aspirational and inspirational. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's, uh, I think the trend's only going to keep coming. I was talking to my daughter the other day, who's a millennial, mm -hmm. about how millennials have a certain set of standards, wanting to work for mission-driven companies and so mm -hmm. on, and all the themes you talked about, Julie. And, um, and, um, and uh, I said, what do you think will happen uh, long term? And she said, Dad, just wait until you see Generation Z. They're mm -hmm. gonna, <laughs> they are going to put the millennials to shame in terms of uh, social issues and, and focus and all of these things. Yeah, I hope so. I can't wait to see it. Rooting for all of them. <laughs> I'm here with Julie Smolyansky, who is CEO of LifeWay Foods. Julie, looking back over almost 20 years of leading Lifeway Foods, what are some things you might have done differently? Hmm. Uh, well, first of all, just recognizing that it's going to be okay is uh, something I wish. I, I have spent a lot of years in a tight ball, worried and anxious, you know, terrified of my worst dreams coming true. <laughs> and, um, you know, a lot of times it's anxiety that could have been used in a different way. Um, so learning to use that anxiety in a better way, self-care, 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 cannot talk enough about self-care for entrepreneurs, for people in the workplace. Um, super, super important. I definitely, um, you know, let that go in many cases and put myself last, even though, you know, I'm a company that talks about doing it, you know, putting yourself first. So learning that earlier than when I did would have been nice. Um, and you know, honestly, having confidence in myself, uh, from the beginning, I think, you know, I spent a lot of time proving to myself, looking for reasons to validate until, you know, myself until I could see, yeah, you know, I actually do know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I actually am smart. No, it's, I'm not in this world just because my father died and it was, you know, his company, but I actually took my education and, you know, you are, I'm using it, it you know, and, and I'm taking my natural skill sets and applying them and leaning into them. So, you know, having that, that confidence to know that you're smart, that you belong in the room, that you belong in every room that you're at, that you, um, you know, can, can take power. No one's going to give you power. You know, learning that um, is, is really important. Uh, and speaking up for yourself, you know, being an ambassador and advocate for yourself, um, all things that are really, really important. But, but again, the number one thing was, uh, knowing that it takes guts and, you know, that we've got them, we've got those guts to, 
uh, do whatever it is our our mission, our dream is, and find that purpose in why we are here on this earth, um, and and just having confidence in it. and enjoying the ride. You know, enjoy this ride. To any young entrepreneur, that's you know it, it's it, it is stressful, it is lonely, but there are so many wonderful things about it, and just to enjoy those those moments and enjoy that ride and. Um, know that it's going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. Mm, good advice. With um, with so much innovation going on now in food and CPG, and, and I think at an accelerated pace, let's uh, let's shift to innovation in general. What what sort of mindsets or 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 skills or talents do you think characterize top innovators? <laughs> Uh, innovators with guts, <laughs> innovators to do some really brave, bold things. Um, you know, I think a lot of people think that, you know, innovators are crazy, you know, and you got to be crazy to do the crazy, you know, do crazy things. Um, dream big, you know, make no small plans. Uh, I'm from Chicago and we have Daniel Burnham, who's like, you know, a mythical, you know, figure, not mythical, like a unicorn figure in our, in our city. Everybody knows Daniel Burnham and Daniel Burnham said, make no small plans. And, um, you know, Chicago, I think is a great example of a city that, you know, kind of came out of the, the, the great Chicago fire where everything was burned down to the ground and we made bigger plans than ever before. And this is such a great time. I think it's a, it's great symbol of what we can do as a a country, as a world, but, you know, innovate for a pain point. And there are so many pain points right now. Look at the pain points around your life, around your friend's life, around your family's life, and solve for those pain points. Stick, go to what you're passionate about. I always say, go find what you're super passionate about. That will usually be a great um, North Star to help you find where that innovation should come from. And and then, you know, collaborate with others, of course. Um, you know, if you want to go far, uh, what is it? If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together, an African pro- pro- uh, proverb. Uh, find those people that you want to work with. Build great teams um, and, and, and partner up with other brands doing great things. Um, but, yeah, solve those pain points. Uh, this is a great time to to look for innovation. I am excited about the opportunities within food uh, for innovation. Um, I there, there is so much opportunities. We're learning so much about functional ingredients, um, about better ways of manufacturing. You know, about using less plastic. You know, we've moved over to. Uh, Uh, green uh, biodegradable packaging over the years to reduce our plastic impact. Um, You know, we we put green energy back onto the power grid. We should all be doing that. Um, uh, Specifically within ingredients, I'm really, really excited around the research around adaptogens and functional mushrooms and magic mushrooms. I actually just got involved um, advising a new company called Multiverse, really cool kind of a, a marketplace for functional mushrooms, really on leading and at the cusp of, of this new space that's about to break open. Um, uh, you know, so much in the CBD space that's about to get unlocked in, in food. And so, you know, using these various in, ingredients with well-known established lines already is very exciting. Um, looking at packaging of, uh, of, of, of how we can um, get different kinds of packaging to, for different um, eating points, like life stages, like with ProBugs, for example, when we launched the pouches, that was the first pouch in the United States uh, for kids. And that disrupted the entire baby food eating space. You know, I think, I don't even know what the numbers are, but um, like well over 30% of all baby food is consumed now out of a pouch. Um, so making those pouches more environmentally friendly. So there's lots of ways to do innovation. It's not always something real crazy. It could be a, a change in packaging size that could be very innovative. Yeah. So in terms of in terms of risk taking and and your philosophy of take some big risks. Um, when you swing, you know, when you swing for the stand, sometimes you do strike out. Any any mm-hmm. stories you can share with our listeners? Uh, either on the home run side or the strikeout side? 
Oh my God. There's been so many strikeouts. <laughs> um, we have had a lot of home runs too. Like I said, the pro bugs is one that, you know, I'm super, super proud of. Um, totally, you know, like I said, disrupted the space. Um, you know, some, yeah. And, and yes, if you don't take any risks, you will never win either. Um, I was just reading the, uh, the speech from, uh, Teddy Roosevelt about the man who gets in the arena, um, that it's very easy to critique people when you're not in the arena playing yourself, but the one who wins is the one who gets in the ring and throws the punches, you know, his face is marred, it's bloody, it's beaten, but you know, he's the one who's victorious or she in this case. And, um, yeah, you know, we've, we've sometimes what I find with innovation is that you could be so ahead of your game, so ahead of your time that it's only a matter of time before the rest of the world catches up to you, that you might be just too far ahead. And that if, you know, you wait, uh, you might actually, you know, have a little bit more success or, or come back and retry the same idea. So for example, we've had, uh, like we launched a soy product once and it was so ahead of its time. It was like a non-dairy version of our product. It was soy based and it, it didn't take off, you know, or, or it took mm. off for just a little while, you know, it took off during the trend of the soy milks, but then once that trend was gone, so was the, so were the sales. Mm. And so you just go back to the core and, you know, not everything is, um, not, it, sometimes you're just too early, uh, today, maybe that product would sell because there's a huge movement towards plant-based and alternatives and, and whatnot. And we launched, um, we launched a pea-based protein, plant-based protein drink that we're actually reformulating and retweaking because I think, you know, again, in the marketplace showed us, uh, people don't really want a pea-based protein, plant-based protein drink. They want more of an oat milk version of that. So, you know, we go back, we tweak, we learn from the marketplace what what they want, what they need, what's working, what's not. And then you adjust and you decide, do I want to, you know, make the changes and pivot or scrap it or start it all over again? But yeah, you can't you can't even try to win if you don't, you know, throw the ball. Mm-hmm. So Today, looking at where we sit today with all the opportunity you've talked about, yet challenges, what do you think some of the biggest speed bumps are today uh, in terms of innovation? Well, I mean, one of the things is just the lack of capital. I mean, there is a lot of capital, but it's really hard to access it. Um, it's really hard uh, to to um, compete when you have, you know, companies that are being funded by private equity or uh, companies or innovation being launched by multi, multi-billion, multinational companies, like that's really hard to co- go up against and compete against. And I think if I was being told today that, oh, we're going to launch a Kiefer company and compete with, you know, Danon and Yoplait and the biggest companies against the world, and, and you're going to have a budget of zero, uh, good luck getting on the shelf. You know, good luck getting a buyer to even take your call. Um, that's really, really challenging. And so there's a lot of challenges for a new company, new brand. Um, and so you really have to want it. You know, I, I usually say, you know, give them a couple of no's, throw, you know, close some doors in their faces and see, see if they really want it. See how hard they work for it. Yeah, it's a great insight. Just yesterday I read that last year, 2020, just in one single year, $3.1 billion, with a B, was raised in the plant-based startup mm-hmm. space. So to go in there uh, at this point in time without sufficient capital, boy, that, that'd be a risky venture. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to think that anybody would. You know, there, and there's so much competition on the shelf and it's cutthroat. You know, the big guys can put, they can use it as a loss leader and, um, you know, bring, bring product in and just, you know, wipe everyone else out. But, you know, the great thing is that the millennial consumers and like Gen Z, they'll go and demand those, those smaller brands. They really want those smaller brands. So it's not totally impossible, but you do have to really want it. And you really have to have a laser sharp focus to, to have that success. Um, and do it like with, with the most crazy level of passion. I think passion goes really far. Passion can really sell you a lot and get you a lot of places. Um, those are all really, 
I think important key key things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is very challenging. On top of that, like we're in a litigious society. Like you could sue a ham sandwich, and and people do. Um, so that's another, you know, the the amount of that that reducing that risk is always something that we're thinking about. Yeah. So Julie, what what can you share with our listeners on what's next for you and for Lifeway? Well, um, well, we've just launched a grass-fed, uh, that's a new innovation for us. We launched a grass-fed kefir, which I'm really excited about. Um, we know that consumers want uh, higher premium dairy products. We know that they want grass-fed, they want organic, they want whole milk. Um, you know, the trends of the 80s and 90s with the non-fat and low-fat dairy products. Um, we know that today they want a whole milk uh, or, or higher premium product. Um, so that's something that we're excited about. And you'll start seeing that grass-fed make its way on the uh, on the shelves around the country. Um, and then we're excited to be launching, uh, we're, we're going to shortly be launching uh, an oat milk-based um Mm. probiotic Um, we don't call it kefir because for something to be called kefir it needs to have a a lactating mammal source as the uh, base for the product so um, we're launching an oat milk probiotic oat milk uh, product um, cultured oat milk Um, that's going to be a really exciting product because well while during covid we kind of went back to what we know dairy became another darling again um and and this demonization of food groups um was less felt during covid because we're in survival in survival mode um and shaming people for what they were able to get is not um was not you know a thing during this mm-hmm. last year um where we saw in previous before covid there was a lot of like food shaming and you have to eliminate and here's your keto diet and here's your paleo all of that is was gone during covid Mm. Uh, because we're all just in survival mode right now. But I do think that that conversation around plant-based is important and will continue to be um, something that, you know, is on top of everyone's mind. So we're prepared for that, again, with this new oat milk product, um, cultured oat milk. Um, then I'm really excited, like I mentioned, the functional mushrooms. I'm very excited about the adaptogens. Um, so we're launching a new line with lion's mane, with um, reishi mushrooms, uh, collagen, um, and a couple of other functional ingredients in an oat-based line um, because I do think that um, consumers are already doing that at home, you know, when they're making mm-hmm. their smoothies, but they want that convenience. They just want it done for them. You know, they want to grab it and, and go. So that's an exciting line. And then just the conversations around gut health is really, really exciting to me. You know, the research is showing that there's a mind and gut brain connection. And I do think we have a strong role to play in leading the conversation around mental health and gut health and self-care. Um, and I think it's like a life-saving potential conversation. You know, suicide rates are up. Addiction rates are up. Um, abuse is up. Um, and you know, there's a way that we can intervene and we can offer people practical tools, um, on a, you know, day by day basis, uh, that can help reduce their suffering and, you know, take them through these, these challenging moments, um, and so I'm very excited about that. We're looking into research um, and funding some research around uh, probiotics and eating disorders. We're learning a lot there. Um, so I, I'm excited around the medical research that's mm-hmm. showing the, the impact on our mental health. And there's a whole new range of study around pharmacology through food, you know, farm ecology, uh, using our, our nature's resources, our uh, you know, fruits and vegetables and all these other various ingredients around and uh, how it can improve our mental health. And um, I'm always about for using those ingredients, not eliminating them. You know, it's not about what you can take out of your diet, but what you can put into your diet um, feels much more um, hopeful to me um, and, and not about deprivation. Because um, I think, again, in the 80s and 90s, it was about what can you take out of the food, fat-free, sugar-free, this-free, that-free. Um, this is about balance and the fact that there is no good or bad food. It's all food that we can use to our um, to, to fulfill our greatest purpose. It's interesting you mentioned adaptogens. One of our previous guests, 
GT Dave from GT's uh-huh. Living Food. As as you probably know, they've done line extensions uh, mm-hmm. with uh, mushroom type ingredients like the shaga or the mm-hmm. uh, turkey tail mushroom. So I th- I think this is a this is probably an emerging trend here with oh, adaptogens, yeah. and I'm wondering if a lot of the you know a lot of the companies out there are 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 letting this trend pass them by. I think it's going to be one of the hottest things in the next couple of years in food is uh, the, the addition of adaptogens into already really great, great products. Julie, I ask all of our guests the, the same final question. Um, what would you give, what advice would you give to two different sets of folks? First, innovators already in the food and CBG space. And second, new people just starting their careers in this space. Oh, gosh, I would say to both, (laughs) follow your gut, trust your gut, your gut knows uh, all the answers and, you know, get confidence in trusting that gut feeling. Um, I would I would definitely say go with your gut. Um, Definitely look at the data and the research to back up what you think you know already. Just get that data for confirmation. But usually your gut is right on. And if you can just hone into that, and I'm all about mindfulness and, you know, finding stillness to hear that gut answer um, is, is really important and will really like take you far. So I would say go with your gut, trust your gut, treat it well, love it. <laughs> Do that. Good advice. Good advice. Julie, before we go into wrap up, any other, any other final comments or thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, gosh, I mean, you know, I guess I just mostly wish for uh, everyone to know that, you know, this very challenging time that we've gone through, um, that, you know, we may have lost loved ones or friends or jobs or, um, you know, communities even totally just hollowed out in this this time that we've gone through, um, that to know that we can restore our wholeness, that we can, um, we, we can come out of this even stronger and that there's so much opportunities and that, you know, we have to find, find that inner hope, that inner faith, that optimism that exists in all of us, that, that we know that we are going to come out of this even stronger. And that even in those challenging times to know that, that, that they, they will only make us stronger and, um, that we can come out of them better and I think that that's what is going to happen. And mm. so I just hope that if anyone's feeling down or, you know, feeling helpless or hopeless, that there is opportunities everywhere. And, and if you're feeling helpless, I always say go help somebody if you feel helpless. Well said. Good stuff. I'd like to thank our guest today, Julie Smolyansky, who is CEO of Lifeway Foods. Julie, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for the conversation. It was so enriching and thoughtful, and I just really appreciate you know getting a chance to to talk with you and your listeners, and I'm uh, just very honored and humbled, so thank you. Thanks for listening to C2C, where we cover innovation in the food and CPG business from conception to consumption. Just type the letters C-T-O-C, no spaces, to find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbeam, and Google Play.